The leading of Christ. Over the last couple months, since, since the, right, the middle part of October, we started going on this journey. We started out with three weeks where we talked about Christ part one, Christ part two, Christ part three. Then we went into the church of Christ. And no, we weren't talking about a denomination. We're talking about the actual church where the Bible says there is one church, there is one body, there is one baptism, there is one Lord, there is one way, there is one truth, there is one life, one. There is not many, one. And we are a part of that. So when people say, what church do you go to? It's the church of Christ. It is not pathway. Pathway is the place where you can call it what you want. But I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm involved with the community of believers who are part of the kingdom. And we're not going into this modern day branding denomination. No. Christ. Christ. If it ain't Christ, like my brother Phil said, it ain't right. <laughs> and too bad he ain't here tonight because he didn't like me quoting his, his lyrics. Then we went into Christ heals. How many of you guys remember that word? Christ heals. Christ speaks. Then we went to the favor of God. Then we went into the humility of Christ. And then the power of Christ. And then the deliverance of Christ. Christ. Can you really get enough of Christ? You know, I had somebody ask me this the other day. And it was a rhetorical question. It wasn't for an answer because it was a brother of mine who I fellowship with in the East Coast. And he said, you know, I find it strange that we would ask for more from God. As if Christ ain't enough. He said, Tony, if Christ is enough, why do we want? Doesn't the scripture say, this is what I told him in response. Doesn't the scripture say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not one, if I'm in a season of eating top ramen, amen. If I got to go buy, you know, so make a spread, amen. Whatever I got to do. If I'm in a season of getting filet mignon, amen. Man, that sounds good right now, though, right? Woo, I think that was the Lord. Woo, man, I'm hungry right now. I might go to Sonic after this. I know it's like a knockoff of a certain, but I'll get something. But, man, that made me hungry because I was thinking, there's seasons, not seasoning, amen. <laughs> but there's seasons, and it doesn't matter what season you're in. If the Lord is with you, that's all you need. I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter the season as long as you're with God and God is with you. Get that in your spirit right now because I don't know where Christ is leading you. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I know, it's crazy because I know what he's doing, but I don't know what he's doing. Here's what I mean. I know what he's doing pertaining to his will. I just don't know what that looks like entirely. I thought I would never rap again. Obviously, the Lord had other plans. I thought I would never do live events again. Obviously, the Lord had other plans. My heart was pure in the, the whole time. But I'm telling you, there's seasons. 
And as long as the Lord is with you, that's all you need. Amen? Tonight we're going to talk about the leading of Christ. But before we get into that, I want to lay just a little bit of a foundation, kind of just remind us here that um, this is the Lord's work. This is not Pathway's work. What happened last week, I honestly didn't know if you was going to come back. Because you got a word. And the word only does one of two things when the word of God comes. It either scares people off or it compels them. And you always hope that it compels because you know it's life-changing. And I'm so glad that, that you did because I believe God's going to speak through this even more into that. Because that's how God is. But I want to lay some, some framework and I want to kind of get us back on the right mindset before we get into this word. Are you guys ready for the word? I'm hungry for the word. I don't know about you. I'm hungry for what's going to come forth. Because I know that it's not me speaking. I know it's the spirit of God through me. It's the spirit of God through me and to me. Amen. Have you ever found yourself, oh, man, I got I to gotta take a second. Because you know what? I don't think we catch this enough. Have you ever found yourself in a fellowship with somebody and the Lord began to speak through you, but it also spoke to you? But you didn't tell them that. You took all the credit like God used you. Don't, don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> you took all the credit like God used you. But the truth is he was speaking to you as well, revealing himself to you as well. Amen. Glory to God. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Is God good? I'm so glad Christmas is over. You know why? Because nothing's changed. I'm just glad we can get past what appeared to be something and we can be back to what is the truth. Amen. I'm not against Christmas. I love spending time with my family. My wife made some amazing pozole. Man, so good. <laughs> yes, you know all about it. And uh, we had an amazing Christmas fellowship with the family. Like we, we all got in the fellowship hall. We brought gifts. It was fun. We had a great time with the community. It was awesome. And I'm not just saying that to be politically correct. I'm telling you, I thoroughly enjoyed myself in my gorilla suit. I'm just saying in my gorilla onesie. But I'm thankful that we could just get back to business. Amen. The world does not dictate to Christians how to be Christian. The world doesn't dictate to the church how to be the church. The church is the church. We are the light of the world. Amen. We are the light of the world. And so we need to remember that, that we're about his business. In Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 21, it says this. Actually, we'll read from 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. A lot of times people think that the angel of the Lord appeared in physical manifestation, but it is in a dream. So can God speak through your dreams? Absolutely. So this angel appears, right? Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by what? And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he, watch these words, he will save what? What's your Bible say? He will save who? Look at your scripture and tell me what your scripture says. It says, his 
people. Oh, help me, Lord. Not everybody is God's. Not everybody belongs to God. We all belong to him, but we don't all belong to him. He owns everything, but not everyone is his child. Not everyone is born again. And this is why John 3.16 is not the end all to the gospel, but it's one aspect of it. That God so loved the world, he gave. But right here in Matthew 1.21, the angel says very clearly that he will save the world. His people. So we need to realize that the Lord knows who belongs to him. Aren't you thankful that's you? Aren't you thankful and confident that that is you? You could say, I can come boldly to the throne of grace because he chose me. It was nothing of my own merit, of my own stature, of my own abilities. He's good. He opened my eyes. He pulled the veil back. He helped me to see. I couldn't see on my own. He helped me to be honest and transparent. He helped me to be true. I couldn't be true on my own. I wrote this and I posted it on Facebook and I also shared it with our leaders and I want to share it with you tonight. I said this, I said this morning in my time with the Lord, this happened this morning. I said this morning in my time with God, I'm reminded that in the spirit there is no comparing against one another. In the spirit of God there's no comparison against one another. Here's a trustworthy example. If you're always late to things, but someone else is always on time, the one who is always on time should never look at themselves as better than the one who's always late. The one who is in the same way, the one who's always late, should not look at themselves as worse than the one who's always on time. Truly. And watch this. Also, neither should use their effort or lack of effort as an excuse to continue in their own way. How many of us are really good and productive and we continue in our own works? Comparing ourselves to those that don't meet our standard. And we won't say that, will we? But we'll live that way. We'll walk that way. We'll strut that way. How many of us are never on time or never productive and we look at those and we're like, I'll never live up to that. And you think less than yourself. See, what the Lord put on my heart is this. The only comparison worthy is to constantly realize that both are no good without God. And always in desperate need of God. Are we not always in desperate need of God? See, people who are control freaks, who are in the flesh, don't want to believe this. Because they like their accolades. People who are controlled by self-pity don't like this because they like the woe is me syndrome. But God is calling both to Christ. That it is in Christ you find freedom. It is in Christ you're set free. From from yourself, I don't care what that looks like, you're no good without God. And by keeping this truth at the forefront of our minds, we will find three things happen organically. Number one, we never think of ourselves higher than we ought to. 
Number two, we stay in harmony with one another. We can sit next to the person who's the extreme opposite and have unity in Christ, knowing that he knows where both are at at every single time, and he does the drawing to perfection. Oh, God, help me. And the last thing is we stay in step with Christ. Because what if Christ is telling you to give your coat, your, coat, your jacket, your whatever to the person that's on the other extreme? Amen? If I realize that I'm always in need of God, and I just, even though I have everything, I, I'm in comfort, but I just walked away from a robbery and I'm shivering cold, I shouldn't be so proud to take the jacket of the one as that's all they have left. If they're offering it to me, I should wear it. Do you see the humility in that? Is that not what Jesus did for us? He put on what he didn't really need. Somebody help me. We needed Jesus. We need Christ. This really can apply to anything. A person who gives every week to the church and one who gives once a year. A hard worker and a lazy person. Even someone who communicates well and a person who has no communication. We all need God. I feel, you know, when, when we're looking at the scriptures, the Lord knows who belongs to him. He knows how to draw us to him. In Matthew chapter 11, go there with me. Matthew chapter 11, 27. Are you getting something already? Is this speaking to your heart? I, we said this in the, in the pre-word as Brother Gabe came and he, and he brought the word on Romans 12, 2 about do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Before he came up and shared, the Lord put that very word in my heart. So I shared it real quick. Then he came up and shared. It was powerful. But in this transforming of the mind, many of us right now are being tempted by the devil to focus on how we feel instead of realizing how we think. It does not say do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the way you feel. It's be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way you think. Amen. And oftentimes we want the manifestation of God's presence to be felt instead of known. Oh, we need God's presence not to just be felt, but it needs to be known. There needs to be an awareness in us that he is God. Amen. Amen. I know what's happening is the truth is coming, discombobulating the flesh, and you can't get the amen out fast enough. Amen. You're like, huh. no, I'm just kidding. I know, I shouldn't joke, I'm serious. But it's true. Your flesh don't know what to do. You're trying to compute it with human reason. God is speaking to the heart. Amen. Matthew 11, starting in verse 27, it says this. My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Those who the Son chooses to reveal. It is God's grace and mercy that you're sitting here tonight, you're listening online, and it's making sense. 
Because you and I both know, those of you that are walking in the spirit with me, it makes absolutely no sense at the same time. It's making complete sense and it makes no sense. Because your flesh don't want to agree with it. It wants to agree that it acknowledges it, but it doesn't want to agree to the point of transformation. And God knows who you are tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, go there with me. I know I'm, I'm making your thumbs work tonight, right? I got a bunch of other scriptures we're going to go through tonight, and I'm not even in the word yet. But go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm laying some framework. I want you to realize that you're not sitting here by accident. Right? Are you here by your own divine will, or are you really here by the divine expressed will of God? Did you come here tonight because you were, like, curious, or did you come because you were drawn? Because there's a big difference coming because you're drawn versus curiosity. Curiosity, old saying, killed the cat. The ball of yarn rolled into the street, didn't compute the car coming, dead. You are not a curious Christian. There's no such thing as curious Christians. Amen. But God knows who you are. You were drawn here by divine purpose. I don't care how crazy your circumstances are. You are being led by Christ. Mm. You want to know how I know this? Huh, Papa? You want to know how I know this? Because is the word not the Lord? In the beginning was what? That means every word. Any word. Okay? So then he knows you. And is it not his word that leads then? If it's his word that creates, is it not his word that keeps? So for us to think in our minds in any way that our efforts add to the work of God, it is foolish. But the work of God adds to our efforts takes our efforts away, changes them, transforms them, and now they become effective in the kingdom. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 19, it says this, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. Do you think if God inscribes something, it's a little bit important? Did he not say that he would write on the tablets of our heart? He put this inscription, and watch what it says. It's amazing. The Lord knows those who are his. You think he wants everybody to know that he's all-knowing? The Lord knows who are his. And here's another one. All who belong to the Lord must, say must, turn away from evil. Let me show you the difference right now. Now we're going to get into the leading to Christ, but let me just help you. Let me help you. You know, that word must is a strong word if it's used wrong. A sword is a sword regardless of how it's used, but if it's used right, it could be for the good. If it's used wrong, it could be for harm. Amen. Is the word not the sword? So if it's used wrong, it could be harmful, right? So that word must is not talking about your free will. Because we think that, like, I must turn away from evil. It's a response to God. 
Do you see what I'm saying? That when you step into this calling with God, it's a response. you got to turn. You can't sin the same. You're no longer the same. You must turn. It's, a, it's like saying every knee will bow. It has to happen. It has to happen. So everyone who belongs to God must turn away from evil. It is a response to God. Amen. Okay. Whew. I feel such an anointing tonight. It's crazy. And it's been like that the last, it's been going on like that. God, God has been showing up and he's been showing out. He's been manifesting himself. It's crazy. The leading of Christ. Who is Christ leading us to? There's four Things as I prayed about this word that I felt God said, speak on this and speak in, in this, speak them in this way because this is going to unlock something for people. You want more of God tonight? Because it's going to unlock something for you. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like those escape rooms. Actually, that's one of the first ways I met Gabe right here. Is we went to an escape room. I think it was for Lindsay's birthday, and I really am bad at them. <laughs> You don't want me on your team. I overthink everything. You know, I just overthink everything and nothing goes right and I, I'm not the one. Don't call me Neo, right? But I'm not. And, but I love those because every time you do access something, it's ah, amazing, right? But with God, it's even greater than that. I'm talking about the type of unlocking that frees people from hell. I'm talking about the type of unlocking that breaks addictions. I'm talking about the type of unlocking that breaks self-help awareness. I'm talking the type of unlocking that takes, takes away religion altogether. I'm talking about unlocking you to freedom in the spirit. I'm not just saying this. I am being moved on by God to preach this message. Who is Christ leading us to? Number one, he's leading us to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Go with me to Psalm Chapter 65, the Lord leads us to himself. And what we're going to do is we're going to, on each uh, talking point, we're going we're gonna to read a scripture together, and then I'm going to blast you with some scriptures. Is that cool? I'm going to get you with it because you know what? You need to be transformed. Your, your thinking needs to be renewed because all, all throughout this last month in December, it's all been Christmas. It's all been New Year, right? That's what they blast you with. Black Friday for Thanksgiving. I mean, God, they just, they, they just nonstop. But what you need is to be overwhelmed. You need to be overtaken. You need to be washed. You need to be consumed by God. Every day. Every day. It should not be like, man, I just can't get in his presence today. You should realize you're in his presence. And that's because he's good. If you can get a hold of that promise, your life will be different. Look what it says in Psalm chapter 65, verse 4. He brings us to himself. It says this, what joy for those you choose to bring near. What joy for those you choose to bring near. Those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. Now you got let me just give you a little bit of landscape here. David 
was king. He had access to whatever he wanted. And wherever his kingdom was at, he had access to go. But yet he still desired a kingdom that was not from this world. Many of us will never know what it's like to be king over a nation. Many of us will never know what it's like to have freedom to come and go within that kingdom at your own will. Many of us will never experience that kind of power, but we should desire the same kingdom that David desired, and we lay hold of it, and it is heaven. It is God. He desired something greater than what he had hold of. You know, many of us live our lives like that's the greatest thing ever. I don't know about you. I'm not going to speak to everybody because I know not everybody had as big of an ego as I did. But I thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. I never understood that saying until I got older. And I was like, yep, I did. I thought I was the best thing since. Meaning, you know what bread on a sandwich does, right? You ever ate a sandwich without it? It's not a sandwich. I'm just letting you know. It ain't even a lettuce wrap because it don't even taste that good. That's how big of a difference bread makes. I thought I was the best thing. I thought my bars were the best. My presence was the best. And I was, it was all driven by this insecurity in my life of this insignificance in my life. I, I didn't have much. So I overcompensated and thought I was the best thing. And some of us in here, even as believers, can fall into that temptation to think your stuff don't stink. I'm sorry, but it does. It's just covered up with perfume. We need God. David saw his need for a kingdom greater than what he had hold of. Do you see that tonight? Whenever the scripture says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, it isn't talking just your house. It's anyone who comes into the presence of God. So you should realize that when you say that you're in agreement with one church, one body, one spirit, right? You're in agreement with God. Let's go to the next scripture. I want to show you a couple more scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19, for the law never made anything perfect. But now, say but now. This is it, guys. We have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. We just saw, we saw that in Psalm 65, he's saying who you choose to draw near. So if we're not careful, we think we can do this. Like knock on the door. At will and be right in the presence of God. You know it doesn't work that way. Just say a prayer and voila, he's not a genie. He really is not. Like, he's not a God waiting for you to ask him to perform. No, he's a God waiting for you to settle down so he can be God in your life. He wants to say, he wants to say it like this, Sergio, come near. And you hear and come. That's the beauty of this. If we could just draw near to God, why would we need God? No, I need him to call me because I get wayward. I need his voice. This is why Jesus said, they know my voice. That's why he's the shepherd because sheep wander, guys. If we're not careful, right? Let's go to the next scripture. He draws us to himself. Don't you see in Romans 12, 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind? Tolerant. Oh, some of us are real stubborn in here, right? <laughs> Tolerant and patient God is with you. 
Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, another translation says, the goodness of God is intended to turn you from your sin? Is God merciful? Some of us came in here sinning. Some of us came in the flesh. We need God. And he's saying, I'm going to be kind to you. I'm not going to punish you. What? Some of us want to punish ourselves to earn right standing with God. Let his goodness draw you near to himself. Christ leads you near to himself. Amen. Go to the next scripture. John 10, 27 through 28. My sheep listen to what? I know them. Mia, he knows you. Like, he knows you, Ronnie, Tommy, Michael. He knows you, Vettel. He knows you. Think about that. So intimate, so loving, so good. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Let that get into your heart because some of us still fear death. You draw near to God and you won't fear death because you'll never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Do I got some believers in here tonight? I'm talking some spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-filled, revolutionized. Their mind has been transformed. They're no longer living their own way. Believers. Being changed. Being stripped. How about that word? How many of you guys like that? I like it because it's from God. But it still sucks every single time. It's like a bad diet. <laughs> it sucks every time you go on a diet. But he says, I will, I will renew you. I will strengthen you. I will give you... I even feel this word right now, man. I feel this word for somebody in here. You are not strong. You are not strong enough on your own. Have you ever tried to hold a 10-pound weight up for 30 minutes? I try, I've tried it. I've tried it for 30. It's really hard. It gets heavy. And you know what that reminds me? It reminds me that I'm weak. You know, God doesn't ever get tired. Think about what I'm saying. He draws you into his strength. The joy of the Lord is my what? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody, because you need it right now. Somebody in this room right now listening to the sound of my voice, you need the strength of God, not the strength of man. Go to the next scripture. God's drawing. He's drawing us near. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And this is so important because just because, listen to me, God draws you to himself does not mean you're saved. Judas was drawn, but he was not saved. There were many people in scripture drawn to Jesus, but walked away with no transformation. The young rich ruler, he was drawn. Because when Jesus is lifted up, that's what it does, doesn't it? It draws all people. They all look. They all want to know who this God is. But it does not mean that you belong to him. But I am talking to people in this room. I'm t I say it with all confidence, with all 
sincerity, and I know it's God, that everybody in here is saved. I can say it with absolute confidence because I've talked to every single one of you. I've seen the pure hearts. I've seen what God is doing. Everybody who is in this room is saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But not everyone is saved. But God is drawing us, isn't he? Go to the next one. Or is there another one? So if God is drawing us to himself, if this is what Christ is doing and he's leading us to himself, is he really leading you anywhere else? I feel like I should share this. I know I've shared this once before with, with the congregation. But I feel like I should share it tonight. I remember when I first ever thought about the idea of being called. And I used to hear these, these preachers come through town and they would evangelize, right? And they would, they would say, you got a calling on your life. And I don't know why, but they would always pull me out of the crowd. It happened all the time. I'm like, yo, can you not do that? Because they would tell me the same thing, and I didn't understand it because the way that they were telling me I was called meant I felt like I had to do something. Anybody ever heard, feel that way? That When they say, you got a calling on your life, there's a purpose for your life, God wants to use you in this life. You know what's amazing? That if you actually step into the calling of God, you'll be used. You, but that's not the thing you're thinking about. And I remember I was, it was late night. It was like 11 o'clock. I was watching BET Gospel Hour or something before I was going to bed. And they were interviewing um, Smokey Nofield or whatever his name was. He was really popular back in the day. And I remember them asking him, so how did you know that you were called to sing? And without even a second thought, he began to describe it. He was saying, I was called to sing because da-da-da-da. And immediately, and I was just a newborn Christian, the Spirit of God came upon me and said, that is not the calling. You know why he spoke that to me? Because I cannot sing. And back then, I really couldn't sing. I mean, now I can kind of carry a note. Back then, it was tone deaf. Tony deaf, yes, that's what it was. <laughs> and I couldn't sing. And I felt a way because he said he was called to sing, and I wanted to sing, but I couldn't sing, and everybody told me I was really bad at singing. And I was like, but I want to sing. But this guy's called to it, and it made me feel less than. And the Spirit of God said, that's not the calling. Because the calling of God won't make you feel less than, it'll include you. And the, immediately the Lord said, everyone is called to the same thing. They're called to Jesus. You can't put the calling on a moving part. If you put it on the gifts, then man, I'm better than everybody in this room, in my mind. In my mind, I can think of a reason why I'm better than everybody at something. <laughs> but the calling is not on the gift because the gift fades. The calling is on what never fades. Hallelujah. Christ. Amen. And so what is he really calling you to? If he's calling you to himself, if that's what he's doing, then what is he leading you? What is it? What is happening in the leading? What is he leading you away from is really the question. Because like I said before, if you're if you're being led to Christ and Christ is sufficient, would you ask for anything else? You shouldn't, right, because he's sufficient. Then what is he leading me away from? And number two is he's leading me away from evil. Say amen to that. Is there anything else you want him to lead you away from? Because this is what he's leading us away from. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Man, if you're not taking notes tonight, boy. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 8. 
starting in verse 13. Well, it is verse 13. If you're there, say amen. It says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Again, that will hate evil is the same type of disposition as the word must. It's not something that you can sit and, and compare to and say, well, I'm not doing that, so I must be really bad. No, you're bad without God, completely and totally. You're no good. But if you're in the Lord, that area, that aspect, that position, whatever that looks like is perfect. Do you realize that? That anything in Christ is perfect, finished, done. It's good. You see that? Because of Christ. So then if you're in Christ, you will, as a response, hate evil. Doesn't that take some pressure off some of us in here? Because you know what it does? It just makes you ask one question. How do I get in Christ? How do I stay in Christ? And as you start inquiring of that, you know God is so good he's going to show you. There's no better question to ask than how do I get in Christ? Amen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this. Stay away from every kind of evil. Again, if you're not careful, you'll think you can actually do this without God. No. How do you stay away from every kind of evil? We just read it in the verse before. Go back. Go back. Proverbs 8, 13 said what? All who what? Fear the Lord will, so there's a response, right? Now go to the next one. So if you fear the Lord, you will stay away. Come on, somebody. The fear of the Lord comes upon you when God casts a shadow so big over you, you realize you're at a complete disadvantage to him. Do you realize that tonight? Do you, do you really think you could take on God? We're... we're, we're we're done for. <laughs> huh? But he's merciful. He's kind. He shows us love. And, and in this reverent fear, we're saying, how could I turn away from you? What else is there to look at? You're so beautiful. You're so amazing. You're so captivating. How can I look away? When I look away, I just want to look back. Because what I look at, it isn't you. Nobody feels like that in here? You don't feel like that in your heart, that when you do something you shouldn't do, who do you run to? Come on, don't fool yourself. You run straight to daddy, man. You go straight to daddy, and you go to him like that too, don't you? You don't come to him like a super apostle or a super Christian. You come to him like, dad, I'm just, um, don't look upon me, right? I need you. Because when you're in his presence, when he's in your life, when he's called you to himself, you will stay away from every kind of evil. You will. It will happen. Go to the next one. He's, called, he's leading us away. Different friends, or dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Man, I'm so thankful for the gospel. I'm so thankful for scripture. You know that, Isaac? Because if I said this without scripture to reference, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe me. You'd think I was nuts. Now, why are you calling me an alien, bro? I know what aliens are. E.D., phone home, right? Ouch, right? I know what aliens are. I'm not an alien. Yes, you are. You are a foreigner. You don't belong to this place. And 
and I warn you as that, as somebody who is a citizen of heaven and no longer a resident of earth, I'm warning you, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Keep away. Recognize that God is keeping you away. Amen. You know, if I, if I, could, if I could entertain this, if you could see God in the physical how many of you would even leave him for a second? If, he, if you knew that he was at 4141 North Fresno Street and he was physically, would you leave? I would starve to death looking at him. I wouldn't want to leave for a drink. I wouldn't want to leave for a moment. I'd, I'd just die and wither like, Lord, you know, you got to give me substance. Because he's God. But he's like that in your life. This is not, listen, don't get caught up on, on, on the, my emotional state of preaching because that's not sustaining for you. You need God. You need God. This ain't, this what I'm doing. I'm just being pure and sincere and being me. I'm just saying God is God. You, we need God. He keeps us away from these things. He, he captivates our hearts and our minds. Amen. Some people have told me, I wish I had your passion. No, you want the passion of Christ. Trust me. I'm not sufficient. You're not sufficient. Christ is sufficient. Go to the next one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are children of God. Do you know that tonight? See, when I read this scripture, I feel like I'm writing it. I, I feel like it's something that's personal to me because I'm involved in that. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under control of the evil one. What is Christ turning, leading us away from? And we know that the Son of God has come. Do you know that he's come? And he has given us what? Say it. Do you have it? We have understanding so that we can know the true God. And look at this is why I know if you've been coming here, fellowship is the work of God. That's why many churches are so busy working, they don't have fellowship. I was talking with somebody the other day in a very thriving church, very thriving church, doing a lot of different things, has a lot of friends. But they sat in my living room and told me these words. They said, I'm connected to a lot of people, but I have no one to go to. How? Because the church without knowing it or knowing it is keeping people busy so they don't have this. Look at, and now we live in fellowship. With who? Can, can I just say something? I know some of us in, in here, I know, I know if you're listening to my voice, we automatically want to think better than we are. We automatically want to say, no, I'm in fellowship with God. I read my Bible. That's not fellowship. You got to hear what I'm about to say to you. I praise him. I worship. That's not fellowship. Even the world does that. There's other people who call themselves Christians that are not fellowshipping with God, but they're doing all of the acts of a Christian. Listen to me. Fellowship with God is abandoning yourself. That is fellowship. What did Jesus say? The one who finds their life will lose it, and the one who loses their life. There it is. There it is. Fellowship comes with death. This fellowship is talking about 
death, it's not talking about works. Because here's what happens when you come out of that death into the newness of life in Christ. You read. You worship. You pray. As a, as a extension of fellowship. Do you see that, my brothers and sisters? And this, and this is what's so amazing about the scripture. Look, look. Because we live, it says live in. What if you're blind and you have no sense on your fingers? Can you still read? Is God not merciful enough to give the spirit to still live in fellowship with the son of God? Look, it, it says we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. We're in fellowship with him. How? 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 How are we in fellowship with Christ? We were crucified with him. That's what the scripture says. And we were also raised to life with him. It's his work. You see that? That then when we read, when we walk with God as he's leading us, we're not just simply gaining knowledge. We're not simply just having an experience. But we are in fellowship, intertwined, united, put together with, complete in Christ. And then you don't look at reading as a chore. When's the last time? You said, you know what, I don't feel close to God, I'm not reading enough. You know, that's not how this works. Can I ask you a question? How would you come to God? By reading? How would the lights come on for you? I believe it's by fellowship. I believe every day God is asking you to die in some way. And the moment that death takes place... There's a birth, and there's a fellowship in the birth of Christ. Do you see that? Do you see this? Let's go to the next one. Man, I feel the presence of God. T turn this away from me. I don't mean to get on a rabbit trail, but I, I go off on these, 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 these areas because I really feel like the Lord is ministering to somebody. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. When's the last time we did that? How about this? Maybe you didn't say it out loud, but you said it in your heart. And you know what happens in just two seconds, right? You feel insulted, and what do you do? You insult right back. Don't do it. Why? Because you're in fellowship with Christ. It produces this righteousness out of your life that you cannot produce. Instead, pay them back with the blessing. What's a better blessing than to pray for them? What's a better blessing than to take them to the Lord the same way you've been brought to the Lord? That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Amen. Go to the next one. I have to cut this short. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 says, run from anything that it stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship. There's that fellowship again of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. All of this sounds like something you can do without God. It's all a response. You know why you want to have fellowship? Because God's drawing. You, you want to know why you want to go to church and raise your hands and worship? You know, what, you know why when we sing worship at the end, there's going to be a compelling in your heart? Because God's drawing. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he can still be that means if he can no longer be found, you will no longer want to seek. 
And if you do, you won't find anything. It'll be empty. But there's a drawing. God has not come and, 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 and raptured his people or taken, come and taken us home because he is having mercy on the others that don't know him yet. Are you listening to what I'm saying about this leading of Christ that I'm talking about? It has nothing to really do with you, does it? You're involved in something that's bigger than you. It's bigger than your gifts, your talents, your charisma, and everything else you think you have. It is Christ. It is Christ. Look at the next one, 1 Corinthians 13, 6. I love this scripture. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I know of times in my life where God was wanting me to, to, to turn away from things in my life, but I delighted in them. I delighted in gambling. It was something I loved to do. So if I'm delighting in the gambling addiction that I had, if I was making that the priority to sneak out at 2 and 3 in the morning on my wife, if that was something I was doing, how could love be in me? Love doesn't delight with. It doesn't delight in. It doesn't delight, delight alongside. There's no connection in there. But it, it definitely does delight in the truth. And the truth of this message is that Christ is leading you. You know, the Lord is delighted in that. He's leading all of us. Whether we realize it or not, every knee will bow. We're all being led to a culmination. This, this one moment with God. So how? We would look and say, how does he lead us away from evil? This I know that you're saying it's in his presence. I know, but you know, there's a way that God is, uh, 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 that God makes things plain to us. And this is one of the ways, this is how. This is how. Go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, because God, Christ leads us with authority. Amen? If you know anything about authority, <laughs> You know when something has authority over you, right? <laughs> I remember one time, if many, many of you may not know this, but I grew up in martial arts. I trained for 14 years. I trained in martial arts, right? And it wasn't just karate, right? It was like grappling, and it was intense. And one time I was 16 years old, and I was grappling. I was doing this, uh, this technique called Wing Chun. And it was a certain technique where it was like sticky hands and, and you couldn't uh, stop. You had to stay in constant contact with the person while you're grappling, right? You couldn't dis disengage. And so we're doing this thing and he's a, I'm probably 155 pounds at the time. And I'm 16 years old and I'm giving it everything I got. This guy's 230, 240 pounds, massive dude. And he knees me in the groin. <sighs> Thought I was going to die. I cried. I ain't going to lie. I cried like a baby. But I had no authority <laughs> to stop that pain. I had no ability to change what just took place. Do you know God knows how to change what just took place? You know God has the authority to stop pain. He has the authority. He moves in authority. That kind of authority. I had no authority. I was at the mercy of pain. Have you ever been at the mercy of pain? You know, thank God, Christ was not at the mercy of pain. 
He died and he rose. And he rose. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says this, when Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with you. And he's not just with you in comfort. He's not just with you in healing. He's not just with you in provision. He is with you in authority. You have got to grab a hold of this because your weapons of your warfare are not carnal. But they're in a place that you can't operate without Christ. They're in the supernatural. Amen? In 1 Peter chapter 3, what does it say? Go, to, go there. It says, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to who? Oh, man. All authority. All authority. You hear me? All authority. You serve a God with all authority. All authority. That means final say. Huh? That means final say. You know what that's like when somebody got the final say? All authority. And he chose you. He chose you. All authority, and he chose you. You know every single one of us in here are misfits? You're like, me? I'm not the president. I don't have a platform. You don't need a platform for God to choose you. He has all authority. Moses said, I don't have good speech. He says, I do. Moses, not only do I have good speech, I can give it to you. Everything that comes from Christ can flow through you. Do you know this? Oh, you better know this. That's the only way Regina can get a word from last week. It's the only way God can move on me to give an explanation of what Gabe was going to preach before he preached it. Didn't even know. We didn't even talk. Because he has all authority. He's knocking on our heart's door. He's trying to get our attention. You know the only reason why we don't have a full band? It's because God said don't. He wants to do something. It's him. It's not us. You know, easy. I can, I can do it. We can play tambourines. We can whatever. But God is saying me. I want, it, I want the focus on me. I have all authority. Amen. He's leading us with authority, guys. I almost want to just like shut the lights out and put my cell phone on so you could see how light penetrates darkness. So you could realize how he leads with authority. Darkness has no authority at all. 
in comparison to God. So what darkness is in your life that you think has power over you? Satan has no power over God's people. Amen? Go to the next scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3. Oh, wait, did I already read that one? My apologies. Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority. Who? Who's Jesus talking to? Hey, you know, I'm about to, uh, I'm about to just kind of like um, debunk. I don't know if you've ever heard the word, but it's called cessationism. It's when people think that the gifts cease. They think miracles have ceased. They think that all the miracles have ceased, right? I'm going to read to you a scripture that proves that's wrong. One scripture will prove to you that the same authority he gave the apostles, he gives to all believers. It may not manifest in your life, but one time in your life, it doesn't mean that it ain't with you. You don't need it to happen every day to prove anything to anyone. You just need to be surrendered to God, and he'll put you right in front of whoever you need to be in front of, wherever that is, at the right time to do what it is that God wants to do for his good pleasure. Amen. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. No, you should not be going out into the field trying to step on snakes and scorpions. You might get bit. He ain't talking about <laughs> animals here. But he is talking about what's going on spiritually. Your kid's sick all the time? It's probably spiritual. Can't seem to get your money right? It's spiritual. Can't seem to get your home right? It's spiritual. I'm not saying that you should desire perfection in those things first. I'm saying it's spiritual. The fight is spiritual. You know what it's doing? Many people think, like, like Brother Gabe said during the pre-word, he said, people pray, if you just take this out of my life, then I can do something for you. Or if you add this to my life, then I can do that. Like give me a bump and pay. And then maybe I'll be able to do something for you. Or take so-and-so out, and then maybe I'll be, no, the problem is you fell into the trap of the enemy, and you're looking at the wrong thing. It's working. Because you're more concerned about the raise or the removal that you're not looking at God. Because what if it's you that needs to move? Isn't it interesting that when we're so focused on ourselves, we can't see ourselves? When we go to God, we're always praying about others, but in the wrong way. What will benefit me? You're never asking God, should I move states to be at a church, to be in a fellowship? You're not asking God that. Should, should I give up everything and sell my house and sell my car and go on the road and minister? You're not asking God that. It's not happening. It doesn't happen in your flesh because that happens in the spirit. You would never... Talk to God like that in your flesh. <laughs> but when the authority of God comes upon you, you no longer live for your own way because you are now overcome by that same power that overcomes the enemy because that enemy is operation in the world, which is also an extension of your flesh, and that means you got to die. I know that's a lot. <laughs> but it's the truth. Nothing will harm you. Go to the next one. He's, he's, he's leading us with authority. He says, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. 
Freely you have received, freely give. Let's keep going. Watch this. It's awesome. And these signs, say these signs, will follow those who believe. What? Do you believe? Was this talking about those who believe just at that time? Wouldn't he have said, those who believe while I'm with you? Or until the day I pass away? Or did he say, it will follow those who believe? That means anybody who believes. Watch this. In my name, they will drive out demons. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. And if you don't know, yes, I've been speaking in tongues since I was 17. I speak in tongues. I don't know what I'm saying half the time. But God knows what I'm saying, and there's many times he reveals it, and they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And no, this is not saying you should be a snake handler. Because you got to remember where the authority sits. Let me tell you, a I'm going to tell you something very bold that a lot of people won't say, but it's the truth. If God tells you to pick up a rattlesnake, you better do it. But you better not do it if he don't tell you. Because that's how, I'm serious, I watched a documentary on those rattler handlers or whatever, snake handlers. They're crazy. But I believe God is with some of them, though. Because their hearts are really pure. There's some of them that are just doing their dance, right? But they're really pure. But then there's others that are not, and guess what happens? They get bit. And they die. If God tells you to do it, you better do it. But if he ain't telling you, you better stay away from that snake. This is not saying to test God. This is saying obey God. And you know what? Here's the truth. I believe Christians have been thrown into snake pits. And they came out unharmed. Because he makes promises to us. Did Daniel not get shut in a lion's den? It ain't no different from a snake. And what happened? He shut the mouths of the lions, guys. All who believe. Say, I believe. I believe. Then you better drive out that demon that's in your life and stop asking me to do it. Stop asking your mom and your daddy or whoever else to do it. You're the believer. You're the one that said he called you. You're the one that said you're drawn. Cast it out. You have the authority. They will place their hands on the sick. And they will get well. I've, I've seen it happen. Three different people I prayed for healed of cancer. I had a lump on my side this big. I was in the shower. I was living, it was when I first moved here about seven years ago. I don't know what it was, but it was big and hard and it was round. And I put my hand on that thing and I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And it dissolved right in my hand. That ain't because Tony's somebody, that's God. He didn't, want that to, he didn't want that to affect me. I prayed in faith. It's gone. Never came back. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I can say this with honesty, man. I'm so glad. I'm so glad God is doing what he's doing here. God have mercy on those people who use fake stories and fake healings. And, you know, I hate to say his name, but it's true. Peter Popoff, he got caught. CNN or whoever it was went and recorded him. It was all over the news. Years ago, and he was listening to his wife, reading off these, these cards, faking healings. 
People would come into the, the, the ministry and they would fill out their forms and their sicknesses. He would not have them on him, but his wife would be in the back reading them off, their address and everything, and he'd act like a prophet. That really happens, guys. He got shut down, and guess what? Years later, he's back on television doing the same thing. I don't know if he's, if he's doing that, though. Maybe he had a change of heart. I don't know. But it happens. I'm so thankful I can stand here with a clear conscience, with no strings attached, and tell you, you are sitting where God is. I can tell you with confidence. He heals. Amen. This should excite you because you're a part of this. <laughs> You've been invited to the table, baby. Huh? I don't care what the world is doing. The kingdom of God is popping, if you want to call it that. God is on the throne, and he's got authority, and he's giving it to me. He's giving it to you. Let's go to the next one. I'm almost done. Colossians 2.10. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Say fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Amen. Just do me a favor. Grab your Bible and go to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I'm not even going to finish this, this last part uh, entirely, so you don't have to do the slides on this, Nate. But go to Ephesians chapter 1. Is this good? Are you guys getting fed tonight? Is there something taking place in your heart tonight? Is he transforming things, moving things, shifting things? Because this should be maneuvering things in your life, getting things that you came in with out of the way and, and installing what is from God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says this. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Hold on, i got to turn this off. <clears throat> if I don't turn this off, I'm going to die up here. Just one, just one. <clears throat> Now listen to what Paul's saying. I also pray that you will what? What did it say earlier that we've been given? Understanding. So he's like, I'm praying that you get this thing that we've been given. Watch. I pray you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same. Nothing lacking. Exactly the same. 100%. The same. That raised Christ from the dead and, and not only did that, but seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Man, if this fight is spiritual, aren't you glad he's there? Verse 21, now he is far above, say far above. You know what that means is like leaps and bounds. Not even on the same scale, not even close. He's far above. Any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Amen. God has put all things, say all things. Say it like you mean it, all things. Under the authority of who? Yes. Remember it said you're in fellowship with Jesus Christ? And he put all things under his authority? 
Watch this. And has made him head over all things for the benefit of who? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And the church is his body, and it is made full and complete by who? Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. The, the fourth thing, if, if, he's, if that's how he's leading us, he's leading us with authority, then where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? And here's where it should leave us. It should leave us rejoicing. You should be in here tonight not to tickle your ear. You should be tuning on online not to tickle your ear. You should be rejoicing with me right now. You should be rejoicing with me. I'm rejoicing inside. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know with no doubt in my mind that I am doing the will of God. I know that I am preaching the word of God. I know that this, this is the work of the Lord. This is not the work of Tony. And I know that I am in fellowship with the one true living God. And because I know that, I rejoice. Do I feel like rejoicing? Not all the time. But I do it anyway. I do it anyway. When people say things about me, I rejoice. I don't know if you saw when my, when the car, my uh, window got broken in my car. And I went outside and I said, man, at least I got a car to get a window broken. And I thought to myself, man, what if I had a bike and my tire went flat? At least I got a bike for a tire to get flat. Or what if somebody stole my shoes? At least I got feet to walk. I mean, you could, you could really rejoice. Exceedingly with great joy. Exceedingly with great joy. Ha, I heard somebody say, I'm just glad to be alive. I said, brother, you're going to die one day. Have we not all said that? I'm just thankful for another day. Really? You got eternity. Nah, come on, you're being too spiritual. No, you're not spiritual enough. You're not spiritual enough. You got eternity. Rejoice. Rejoice. Not, hey, watch this. The scripture says, don't rejoice because demons listen to you. Don't rejoice because demons listen to you. Rejoice that your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice. Rejoice. You know what? Let's shoot through these real quick. Matter of fact, Nate, let's go to Philippians 4.4 real quick. Oh, I have to. I have to. I have to. Some of us came in here and we were not rejoicing. Maybe you just got your car broken into. Maybe you just got a flat on your bike. Rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Say that. Rejoice. Go to the next one. Psalms 32, 11. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. Keep going. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Always be joyful. Rejoice. He's good. He's worthy. You don't need anything to ignite your flame. He is the flame. Hallelujah. He is the flame, and it doesn't go out. He's an all-consuming fire. Go to the next one. Luke 1, 47. How my spirit 
rejoices in God my Savior. Oh God, I thank you right now. I praise you right now, Lord. I worship you, God. You are so worthy, Lord. There is nobody like you, King Jesus. I can't help it, Lord. You are faithful, Lord. You are worthy, God. You save, Lord. You redeem, Lord. You transform, Lord. It is all by your spirit, God. I rejoice even when I don't want to rejoice, Lord. Right now, I rejoice over my family, God. Those that don't know how to rejoice for you, I rejoice over them. For the Lord is good. I declare it right now. For the Lord is good. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good. I rejoice. I rejoice. I praise you, King Jesus. You're so worthy. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you. Go to the next one. Hallelujah. Acts 8.39. And I got this scripture because I just think it's so amazing. And when they came out uh, up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Wouldn't you want to see that? Just snatch him away. But look, it, if he did that to me right now and poof, I was gone, y'all be like, oh, snap. That's the rapture. And I'm still here. Snatched him away. He says, the eunuch never saw him again, but what? Went on his way rejoicing. Didn't even stop him. Didn't even scare him. He's like, God is good anyway. God is good. I don't know where he went, but God's with me. Hallelujah. I know he was a man of God. I know he's with the Lord. Amen. Go to the next one. Psalm 68.3. But let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. God, I pray you do that to us. Go to the next one. Psalm 33, 21. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Go to the next one. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God. Come on. The source of all hope. I put all in there because there is no hope outside of God will fill you completely. And don't crucify me because I added to the scripture. I say all hope. Because it is all hope. Will fill you with what? Completely with joy and peace because you, what? Trust in him. Then you will overflow. But you know, it's funny because we think overflow in the sense of like excitement. Yeah, that might be part of it. You may dance like David danced, but you also may weep with joy. Oh man, I, 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 oh man, I don't even know how to tell you guys, man. I cry more than I, I dance. I'm a crybaby. I get in the presence of God and he just, I can't help it. All I can do is cry and I'm saying thank you the whole time. It's a joyful cry. And then all of a sudden, it's like a Rolodex in my mind. Like, he always knew me. He was there. 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 And he was there. And when I thought he wasn't there, he was there. And then he pulled me through, and he was there. He's always been there. And it overflows. It overflows with what? A confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you know tonight? How do you know if Christ is leading you? And, and I've been saying it throughout Throughout the night, I've been, I've been asking this, and I've been prompting you, and I've been saying it. How do you know? 
You know, some of you say, but no, but I've been praying and my prayers aren't being answered. But I laid hands on somebody and the demon didn't come out. But I laid hands on myself and I didn't get healed. I did all those things, Pastor Tony, that you said, he said, I should have and be able to do. Why isn't it happening for me? And I'm going to tell you because the first thing isn't first. Those things are first. You're wanting to get those things from God more than you're wanting God. You don't pray those prayers the same way when Christ is enough. You don't pray like in desperate need of the healing to keep believing. Who? somebody help me. But because you keep believing, you pray. You keep believing, you pray until the day you go home to be with Jesus. You keep believing him and believing him. And this is how you know if Christ is leading you. This is how I know if Christ is leading me. Because it goes back to the first thing. He's enough. He leads me to himself. And in doing that inadvertently or automatically, I'm turning away from evil. And all of that happens under the authority of Christ. That has, does not happen outside of his authority. My eyes see the Lord because God opens them. Not because I have the ability to see, but God gives me the ability. He draws me to himself, turns me away from evil, does it with his authority, and it leaves me rejoicing. Is it doing the same for you? <laughs> 